What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Tar Heel State of Mind podcast. This is episode three. As you can see, we are one comrade short today. It is just Bradley and myself, Nick. Um, Nathan is stepped away for a few weeks just to attend to his wife. They are expecting their second child um, in the next six weeks, so he has got a lot on his plate at home with work and trying to get a nursery put together, so we wish him the best. He will be here when he can. He is not gone forever. He has just taken a little hiatus, but Nathan, we're thinking about you. Let us know if you need anything, and we'll hold it down while you're out. Um, Bradley, how are we doing today? Doing good, man. Good to be back after our extended holiday break. Uh, took a little break for Christmas and New Year's, and I had a little emergency room visit in there as well. So I'm sorry I've been away for a little bit, but excited to jump back in and talk some Carolina basketball. Absolutely. Um, how was your Christmas? Christmas, thank- Christmas, New Year's, everything good? Everything's good, man. Um, we even had a you, myself, and Nick had a little trip to the the Spectrum Center to see the hills. So overall, oh, good good little break, good Christmas holiday, good time. Absolutely. All right, so we're gonna go over. We're, we have a lot to catch up on this week. We've got four games on our lineup. We've got the Citadel, Ohio State, Michigan, and our latest Pittsburgh game. Um, Little overview, pretty good, pretty good game selection so far. We went three out of four. We dropped one at Pitt, which was a little disheartening, but you know we we had a good game against the Citadel. Ohio State was a very clutch game by Pete Nance at the end, um, and then the Michigan game was pretty much a Baycott showdown versus Hunter Dickinson, and Baycott won that one very handily. Um, and the Pitt game was a tough one, but again, hats off to Pittsburgh. They came to play and definitely showed out with some of their players hitting some career highs. Um, so let's hop into this uh, Citadel game. Um, Bradley, what do you think about that one? Yeah, man. Uh, so I was um, pleasantly surprised, I guess you could say, um, for the Citadel game. Um, they're not that great of a team, but we came out and played hard, played Carolina basketball. Our bench saw a lot of time. Uh, the starters kind of came out. Uh, first half, a little a little bit closer in the first half than I wanted it to be, but they they pushed it out in the, at the end of the first half and into the second half. Um, we made them a uh, little bit little bit better than than what they probably should have been. They hang around they hung around because they knocked down some three pointers. I think they hit eight or nine during the course of the game. Um, so you know that's a Carolina classic defensive scheme to let teams shoot the three, and the Citadel did in the first half. Um, so we gave up some threes, didn't close out on those, tried to help on drives, those types of things. Um, but on the other end of the spectrum, we actually hit, um, we had our best three point shooting game of the season. We knocked down 15. So we shot close to 50% shot, hit 15 threes, uh, lots of different guys contributing, especially from the bench. So, uh, good to see, good to see for sure. Yes, I will definitely have to say um, not closing out on the threes is definitely the UNC MO. We're always going to, you know, we're always going to collapse on the drive and people are going to get hit their threes. I think it's something that we need to adjust for, for sure. Um, I don't know if it's like we're not wanting to fight through some screens. We're just getting too caught up with watching a drive, like a drive, or if that's just kind of like what they've been told to do in the game plans from Hubert. Either way, um, you know, I think it's something that we could definitely cut back on is letting them have wide open threes at least. Contested threes I'm okay with if they're knocking them down. Um, Baycott had fantastic positioning in this game. Now I think, you know, Citadel was a smaller team, 
but I mean, if he gets anywhere on the low block, he is doing. He is pretty much having his way with whoever, whenever, however he wants to. And um, you know, that's pretty much the Baycott that I like to see. That's the Baycott that I want to see going forward. And I don't think we're. I think we're seeing the best of Mando for sure at this point in time. Um, our boards. We were on the boards, forty-seven to thirty-one versus Citadel. Baycott had another double-double. Um, some th- some things I wanted to you know talk about was like you know uh, I think Caleb's still kind of missing some shots or taking some shots some silly shots that he shouldn't take. Um, he's getting a little out of control at times. He's missing some wide open guys and trying to hit these tough fadeaway threes. I feel like sometimes he's just trying to get his and not really looking for the smart pass or the smart play. And I think you know that green light gets even greener sometimes, I feel like, and sometimes at the wrong time. So I think that's something that Hubert and him are going to have to sit down and talk about and get through. And, you know, if he can get those those shots out of the way maybe earlier or maybe if he can just not take them at all and just move the ball around, I mean, I think that would be the best option. But, um, you know, luckily this team is one where he can shoot those shots and it not really be detrimental to our the outcome of the game. I mean, we handled Citadel pretty easily, but, you know, you got your Dukes, your Virginia Techs, your NC States. Like, you take a lot of those shots, they can make you pay really quickly. So, it's just something I think that maybe he needs to work on before we get into the heart of the ACC play for sure. Yeah, um, Caleb does do some questionable things um, for sure. But uh, I think he's still trying, maybe just trying to figure out this team, uh, this um not a whole lot of changes from last year as far as our starters, but um, no matter if it's not the exact same team returning, then you're always going to have um, just new pieces and trying to figure out who to trust, um, where they're going to be on the court. Um, so maybe that's that's part of it. Uh, but you know, Caleb had a decent game. I think he was 6 for 10 against the Citadel. Um, and our starters didn't play heavy minutes. Uh, they were all in the 20s or below. Um, we did, I think everybody on the roster played in this game. Um, and let's see, Tyler Nickel is who I kind of want to, um, talk about right now. He was five for 10, um, from the field. So he got up 10 shots in 18 minutes and had 16 points, eight, 10 of those, sorry, eight of those 10 shots were threes and he knocked down three of them. So if he could be a consistent shooter for us, um, a consistent scoring option off the bench, um, you know, coming in from Virginia, he had like, he scored like 2,500 points or something like that in high school. So we know he could put the ball in the basket. So if he could do that on a consistent basis, watch out for Tyler Nickel. Cause he's a, he's a bigger guy at six, seven. He can score in a variety of ways. And he's not only a, you know, a spot spot up three point shooter, but can drive and shoot the mid range as well. So um, I'd love to see that from from Nickel, and I hope he can get some more minutes in the in the future, especially as we jump into a little bit more competitive play in Ohio State, Michigan, and then jump into ACC play. Me personally, I like how the minutes look on this game. I think these minutes from our starters and our bench should be about this every single game. I mean, this would be what I would be happy with, like, in any given night when anyone's coming off the bench. I mean, Nickel played 19 minutes. Dontres had 15. I'd like to see – oh, uh, DeMarco was hurt this game. I apologize. I didn't see. He's not on here. But, um, yeah, Trimble played 21 minutes. You know, Trimble 
Styles and Nickel played more minutes than Leakey did, and he was a starter. So I like this. Like, you know, they're getting time in the game. They're getting into a rhythm. I mean, Nickel had 16 points. We got a guy off the bench who can score 16 when he wants to. I mean, you know, you can't really argue. I mean, at any given point, we've had, what, 10, like five, six people, seven people this year score 16 or more. So, I mean, this is a big factor for us going into ACC play and being able to wear these benches out, but also let the starters get theirs. Like, I mean, you know, Nance – Nance, Baycott, Love, Davis can score 15 plus any given night. You got if you got Nickel coming off the bench scoring 16, you've got Puff coming on getting 10 plus, you've got Leaky hitting a couple threes in the game. I don't know. I just if this is all clicking at one time, we're going to be hard to beat against anyone. I mean, I'd put us up against anyone absolutely. But um this this right here, the numbers layout, I mean, no starter played more than 29 minutes and a lot of the a lot three of the subs played almost 20. So I mean, I really I really like the bench minutes right now on this game and I hope that it can it can continue throughout the, the rest of the season. Yeah, I think if our starters can hover around 30 minutes or so, uh that would be ideal for sure. Um opens up some time for the bench to get some run, um, get some good quality minutes, um, which will be beneficial as we head down the stretch of the season um, into ACC play, into the NCAA tournament, because we always want um, extra bodies with experience that you can put out there and still make a difference, you know, yep. once, once they're out there. So um, I love mean, these types for- of games where we can see what some of the guys are capable of. And 42 points off the bench, too. So I think that's the most this yeah. year. For sure. For the bench points, for sure. Oh, 100%. All right. So, anything else for Citadel before we move on to Ohio State? Uh, no, I don't think so. We can jump into um, a, a more competitive and um, stressful game. All right. So, Ohio State. This was the CBS Sports Classic. Um, it was our first quad one win, but it didn't came with a price. It took many years off my life. Um, this was one of the most stressful games I have watched in a while. Um, I think we were supposed to play Ohio State last year, but with COVID restrictions and stuff, Ohio State couldn't make it, so we ended up playing Kentucky. But um, this was an absolute dogfight from the very beginning. Um, I think there were – I can't remember exactly how many lead changes. There were probably five lead changes, scores tied four times, but the biggest thing was we were down by 14 at one point. Um and you know that was when I thought our you know the nail was in the coffin and we were we were heading home with an L for sure. Um, I have to give a shout out to two players on Ohio State's team: their point guard Thornton and Sensaball. Um, their mid-range game, even with Leaky guarding them, was absolutely phenomenal. I don't think I remember them missing a mid-range jump shot the entire game. Um, I just don't. We didn't have an answer for them, and they definitely showed showed out and showed up to get to play out on a big stage. And you know, anytime you play at the Garden, you're going to get the best. And it was a absolute dogfight for the thirty for the forty minute game for sure, and then into the overtime as well. Um, one thing I want to touch on: every time, every single time, Baycott got the ball in the low post, we scored. And I have said this in every podcast, and I will continue to say it in every podcast: if Baycott touches the ball on the offensive end. The possession will not go wrong. I mean, you know, he'll get the ball taken every now and then. If he can go straight up with it, if he gets to the low block, it is over, regardless of who's on him. I don't see anyone in the country stopping him from scoring and getting his getting his touches and getting his getting his points. Um, I just don't see I don't see anyone having any having a time where he cannot get on the boards when he needs to or get a offensive rebound or get a big putback or, you know, a easy layup. Um 
he is our key, and we have to play through him almost every possession in order for us to win. For sure. Um, Baycott showed out. He has been showing out. Um, I love that guy. What is his 56th double-double? He ended out with 28 and 15. My man is just a machine. Um, and, you know, after the game, one of his comments was, you know, he was thanking the fans because even though this game, like you mentioned, was played in the garden, it was full. It was packed full of Hills fans, man. So, uh, you know, shout out to our fans for showing up. And that's what he mentioned, you know, you know, appreciates the fans coming out and showing their support. And um, he said, quote, I would die for this school. So I love that coming from Baycott. And it shows his loyalty to the team and our program. And he just – he's a Virginia guy, but he loves Carolina. So, you know, I appreciate Baycott. Um, And I wouldn't mind if he came back for a fifth year. Maybe Baycott will be listening to this and maybe he'll hear that and come back just for you, Bradley. Maybe. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad at it either, honestly. So, Mando, if you ever listen to this, I'll be there for you in Chapel Hill next year if you decide to come back. If not, we completely understand. Um, shout out to Love and Davis, too. They combined for 43 points. Love had 22, 4, and 7. Davis had 21, 8, and 4. Um, Davis Eight had boards a... from RJ, too. I mean, he's he is in the paint probably more than anyone, like any guard that I have watched recently. And him being what five? They have him at six foot. He's probably five ten, five nine. He might be five. He might be six foot with the Jordans on, but that's about it. I mean, he's but I mean, he's in the paint every single every single possession, fighting for rebounds. And you know, I just he's just the one, I don't know. He he is just such a different a differentiating factor on our offensive end. Our on the offensive and defensive boards, man. He is just you – know, maybe not offensive boards, but, I mean, he is in the paint on defense every single time, getting rebounds. He's there for the outlet. I mean, he's at his best when he's getting his rebounds. I mean, he had a double-double earlier this year, which is impressive for him. Um, I just think he – like, you know, one of them two. This was just a game, though, where, you know, our big three were hitting on all cylinders. I mean, they had 71 – is that correct? 71 points of our – what was the final score? 71 of our 89 points. So, I mean, we're there. I, I don't see anyone competing with us if we're scoring 70-plus points with three people. Um, it was a yeah, dogfight, though, man. Yeah, I think so. Our big three, um, you know, Baycott, Love, and RJ, they, they had a heck of a game. But I think we just struggled on the defensive end. Uh, we let two two guys light us up. And one of those guys was since a ball, freshman, Leaky, a fifth-year senior, senior, was guarding him the whole game, and he was tearing Leaky up. You know, he was taking him every possession, pulling up at mid-range, knocking it down. Um, so I don't know how you stop that when you got your best defender on him. So shout out to Ohio State for utilizing their um, their you know big-time freshman on, on taking us down the stretch. But um, I think this was just on the defensive end, and we struggled um, just to to shut those two guys down, and we really didn't. Um, they really didn't shoot or make a ton of threes. They shot 50%, but they only hit seven threes. So they were seven for 14. So they weren't beating us from the three-point line, which a lot of teams do. Um, they were getting us around on around mid, mid-range and, you know, driving to the basket. So, um, but we did close it out. Usually we are on the opposing end of these types of games. Usually it's the other team making shots at the buzzers to either beat us or put us in overtime. So, um, we can talk about uh, Pete and, and that play. Uh, would you would you would you like from that? 
I think this was a specific drawn-up play for Pete. He had a smaller defender on him. I mean, Pete's 6'11". He caught that at the top of his jump and had that turnaround. He's, we've seen that turnaround a couple of times, though, this year. But I think um, Lebo drew that up in the huddle just for him, and it worked to perfection. And honestly, we finally came out on the right side of a buzzer beater, man. Usually they're rimming out or we're getting the, we're getting the Austin Rivers treatment over Tyler Zeller back in the day. Or, you know, we finally got another Luke, Luke May, you know, a Luke May clutch shot at the end of a game. And, you know, wasn't as big as Luke's, but it was still a big one. It got us into overtime and got us a win. So however we get it, we come home with the dub. I don't care how it comes as long as we, we put it on the, we put it on the win column. Yeah. And, you know, if he would have, held onto that ball for another 0.2 seconds, um, it would have been game over. Uh, so it got out of his hands at just the right time, and he knocked it down. So clutch shot from Pete. Um, after I don't I don't know how many points Pete Nance had in that game, but I don't think it was a ton. Um, he was 4 for 11 with 8 points, um, 0 for 6 from 3. So it's not like Pete was happy. Yeah, 10 rebounds. So it's not like Pete was having a stellar night and Lebo was like, all right, Pete, you're the hot hand. We're going to feed you. Um, So it's good to see that they still trust Pete when he's having an off night um, to knock down that that turnaround jumper. So, And it was funny. um, I think I was reading some of the – the interviews and um, articles after the game, how Leaky and Baycott were like, there's no way this is going to work. Nance said, you know what, give me the ball, and I, you know, I'll show you what I can do. So um, hats off to Pete for knocking down that, that shot in crunch time. we we got to go back and start about these starting minutes again, Bradley. Um, 38, 42, 40, 40, and 34. We only had 31 bench minutes this game. So I guess I can give this one a pass since it was a it was a tough one for us but um we still got to get this bench involved man i you know it's just you mean tyler nickel came in off the bench and had he had he had he had one point it was a free throw but i mean he made a defensive play you remember the block he had he got the crowd into it that he pinned off the backboard i mean yeah you know you gotta you gotta let you gotta let a young man run with that one you gotta let a young man run with that one and play a little bit i just feel like five minutes and two minutes for styles seth only had 11 puff had 13 which that's good he had a he had an and one at the beginning of the game but I just need I need the bench I need I need Hubert to let this bench play more and maybe cycle some guys in and see what works and what doesn't. We we can't be worried about all this stuff like we were last year. We're just playing four or five people the whole game. Yeah, I think we can I think we have guys on the bench that can make a difference. I think we can have an eight or nine guy rotation. Um even in close games like this, you've got to be able to trust your bench. You can't roll into the NCAA tournament time where you're playing two games every weekend and having guys that are playing 40 minutes a game like they did in this overtime game. So um, I'm with you. I think we need to we need to get some bench minutes from these guys, some some clutch minutes, some minutes that matter. Um, uh, and I'm glad we came away with a win in this one, but I think that's going to bite us down the stretch. Um, but good to get a win in a close game. Um, and, and, again, hats off to Pete for knocking on that shot. Uh, it was a big big-time shot from him. I agree. I agree. It was nice to come out of there with a win for sure, especially after the poor performance we had last year against Kentucky in the CBS Classic. It was a, it was a sad day a year ago, but I'm glad we got some redemption. Thirty. Yep. Yeah. It was a good one. It was a. It was a. It was a tough one for us. Um, but yeah, I'm. I'm good with Ohio State. I'm. I. I've talked about everything I want to talk about. Uh, let's move on to this Michigan game. All yeah, right. Yeah. So, so the Michigan game. Um, 
myself and you and Nick, sorry, you and Nathan and myself uh, went to this Michigan game in Charlotte at the Spectrum Center for the Jumpman Invitational. First first Jumpman Invitational that they've had. This is going to be an annual thing, so we're going to try and, um, and get to as many of those as we can um, when they play that once a year. But it was a good environment, uh, much like the game up in New York. Um, it was packed full of Carolina fans, which you'd expect being in Charlotte. So it was good to be in there with a bunch of Carolina fans. We had great seats, about 10 rows back in the corner, uh, right where the tunnel where Carolina ran in and out of. Um, so I had a good time there. What did you uh, what did you like about that game, Nick? Um, it was definitely a Carolina home game for sure. Um, I think it was probably about 80, 85%, 90% UNC fans. Um, Michigan had a little, little bit of a crowd, but I think that was mostly family and friends. But, um, it was definitely a, uh, definitely a high intensity game. Um, anytime you have the teams that are sponsored by Michael Jordan himself, I always think it's going to be a good show out and I hope that we can come to, we can go to that every single year. Um, Game started off with a bang, man. Baycott got a steal and a dunk for the first two points of the game and pretty much went on from there and did whatever he wanted to. I thought it was going to be a good matchup between Hunter Dickinson and Mando, but uh, Baycott won that one, hands down. No doubt in my mind that he just he did whatever he wanted to, as usual. He's been on a good little streak lately, so, I mean, you know, I, I didn't expect anything less, and he, he got whatever he wanted. I was really worried because Dickinson, his top five, I think, was Notre Dame, Michigan, North Carolina and Duke and one, I think UCLA maybe, but his top, like, you know, he was a iffy one for coming to UNC. So I always wanted to see how they would, he would stack up against our, our big since he decided to go to Michigan instead. Yeah. I think we played him last year at home and beat him by 20. And then, you know, it was definitely closer this year, but, um, Armando handled him, uh, last year and this year. So, um, yeah, Mondo did what he want. I mean, ate up Dickinson all night. I think Dickinson only had a couple buckets, had like nine points, I think, and eight rebounds. Um, but Armando definitely won that battle. So, uh, again, Armando had 26 points, five rebounds. Our guard play was good. Got 19 out of Love and 18 out of Davis. Um, our bench played a total of 40 minutes, only scored five points. But um, Pete Nance didn't have a great game. I think he only had three points. He had an M one in the, uh, under five minutes. But um, didn't need him to score a ton of points. Just needed him to get out there and, and um, be a good defender, be solid down low um, against the Michigan bigs. Um, so I enjoyed myself. We had a fun time. There was that scuffle that happened underneath the basket, uh, close to us actually, where um, – Caleb went down, and there was a kick involved with Dickinson, a double technical foul called um, there. But I'm glad that, you know, we had some guys jump in and, and you know, and say, hey, you're not going to treat our teammate like that. And um, So, yeah, good to see that from the guys to, to step in and fight for each other on the court. Absolutely. you got to have – you got to have um... – the team stick up for the guys that are on the ground, especially when you got a guy Dickinson side standing over someone who's eight inches shorter than him. Um, definitely a scuffle that you want to, you know, I think Mando and Mando and Caleb both got a technical, but I mean, in my opinion, what are you going to do? You're going to let him step over your teammate or you're going to go get him out of the way and make sure you get your teammate up. I mean, I'd probably, I would have done the exact same thing. So can't really, can't really argue with him there. Um, I thought we got also good minutes from Puff and Seth off the bench 20 minutes for Puff, 18 for Seth, 
that's pretty much it. Washington had one minute. Tyler Nickel had one minute. I would have liked to have seen more, but the ben- the yeah. starter numbers look a little like, bit better. Yeah, it looks like we're down. Um, I guess consistently to around a seven ish man man rotation um, with our starters plus Puff and Seth. And then when Dunn is healthy, I think he gets good minutes as well. So maybe an even an eight man rotation, um, which I, which is I think is is healthy for this team. Um, I I think we do need to get Jalen Washington some more minutes to to you know get Baycott and Pete some rest. Um, but I, I think we're an eight man rotation team at this point. Um, so we'll see how that shakes out as we come down into ACC play, but. I think that's currently where we're where we're at. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to piggyback off of that. Yeah, like I feel like if Puff and Seth can get around the twenty minutes a game, that's where they're going to be at. I still feel like Washington needs to get more time because you know, think of the NCAA tournament. If we if we get that far and Baycott's getting beat up five six games in a row, Nance is getting beat up five six games in a row. You need that you need that extra body off the bench who can at least come in and give you some sort of inside presence. And if he's getting one or two minutes a game, I don't think he'll be ready for that. And just from the conditioning standpoint, like, I mean, we all saw Puff last year in the championship. He was blowing after yeah, seven minutes. Gassed. So, like, I mean, you know, it's that's one thing that I worry about. And, you know, we just need to quit relying so heavily on the starters. We have to get these. I mean, we, you know, they we recruited them for a reason. We know they can play. Let's see what they can do. I mean, it ain't – it's no worse than, you know, a game where people, you know, some of our players are shooting poorly and we get sub them out. Let's see what these guys off the bench got. I mean, you, you got Tyler Nickel who broke Allen Iverson and J.J. Reddick's records in high school. Like, give the man a chance. I mean, he scored 16 in the last game and a couple, and you know, in 16, 18 minutes. So, let's see if he can do it again. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when their bench is playing against better competition um, and, and they've proven they can do well, I think you got to re- reward them for that. So, I don't know, man. Um, it kind of looks like we're in the same position last year as far as as far as far bench minutes. Um, and, yeah, I, we'll, we'll see what happens. So, uh, I don't have anything else about the Michigan game. It was, uh, I will mention, so we were at the game, like we said, and the way they had the jump man um, – invitational set up the the women's teams played after the men's team so we got to watch the oklahoma women's team play the florida gator women's team and for that game we actually moved from our seats to courtside and, and watched that game courtside and you can you can talk a little bit about that oklahoma shooter nick oh man so the oklahoma sharpshooter taylor robertson she went six for seven from three in the game that we watched and i'm not talking you know, toe toe barely not on the line. This woman was shooting from the logo, pulling, and it was the best thing I have ever seen. Like, I mean, she wears number thirty. She got Curry on her jersey, so you know she's gonna be pulling pulling threes. Um, she is, I think, two or I think it's twelve away from breaking the NCAA Division One women's all time three point record. She is currently at four hundred and eighty seven made three-pointers over her career, which, I mean, she's about to have 1,500 points just from the three-point line, not counting anything else, no free throws, no twos, nothing. Three-pointers, 1,500 points. I mean, it. I, you know, I didn't know anything about the Oklahoma women's team until I walked in, and then I watched her hit four threes in five possessions, and I was like, well, who is this chick? And it was, you know, 
it was definitely in my first courtside experience. I will definitely be coming back. You know, I'm 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 excited we got to go down there. I don't know if my wallet can afford those courtside tickets for for any games, but it was nice to be able to enjoy it after the fact. So, shout out to for Taylor. Sure. I will be looking forward to seeing you break your record. Just wanted to give you a little shout out on our on the pod. So, we appreciate everything you're doing and go Oklahoma women's basketball. It was a good game. Yeah, for sure. So, we'll jump into the pit game. So, after a a little win streak there. The heels fell to Pitt at Pitt, which Pitt isn't necessarily playing bad this year. The, the you know the game last year where we lost to Pitt at home, that was a very very bad loss. This is actually not a terrible loss, but when you look at what happened and how we played, um, and how we were up for the majority of the game, we had we had control the majority of the game and kind of fell apart. Um, that that part is is kind of sad to see. But uh, anything specific you want to talk about uh, when we played at Pitt? I think for, I think from I think for me, one of the things that you know. I didn't feel like we were in a close game. I felt like we had a handle on the game pretty much the whole time, right? Like, I didn't feel nervous. I didn't have that pit in my stomach of like, oh, we're about to drop this. Like, you know, not until the very end. I mean, we went into halftime with a six-point lead. I mean, we were pretty much having our way, and it was really just – I did not feel like this was as close of a game as it was. And, you know, just by that gut feeling, I feel like we should have came out with this one. But I just – Pitt had a couple guys that – had some career highs again, you know. The, yeah, we the talk. Old... We talk about it all the time. How care if you're going to have a career high, just put North Carolina on your schedule and guarantee it's probably going to happen. Yeah, um, Jamarius Burton, 31 points, 14 of 17 from the field, nothing on all. And you know what it was? The mid range. He did not hit. He did not hit one three pointer that entire game. He had 31 points, three of five from the free throw line. So he literally just dogged us out in the mid-range game um but i mean he averaged i think he's got one other game this year where he scored 20 20 points or more i think he so, had 24 against state yeah yeah so like you know he averages 17 and scored 16 17 scored 31 i mean it's happened how many times this year already twice three times at least maybe three four so, so, um, i mean yeah three i times, mean indiana indiana iowa state and now pittsburgh I think it's important to point out too, like you said, they didn't do it on threes; they did it in the mid range. Um, they uh, do you have do you have points in the paint pulled up by chance for for uh, Pitt in that game? They points in the paint forty two. They were five from twenty five for three. Okay, so they had forty two points in the paint. Um, their center uh, Federico Federico was two of seven with four points. So. And then their two forwards off the bench were a combined one of two for two points. So their the forwards and centers, yeah, yeah. Their forwards and centers had nine points. And you know what that tells me? It tells me that their guards were driving right by us and just taking it to us at the rim. And we didn't have anything to stop it. Um, I think when you talk about Burton, uh, for the majority of the game, Either Caleb Love was guarding him. Uh, we saw a little bit from, I believe, uh, DeMarco Dunn. Um, yeah, DeMarco Dunn guarded him a little bit. And he was just taking it to him. Like you said, 14 out of 17. But we didn't see Leakey transition onto Burton until he was hot, until he had 25 or 27 points. 
So I, I don't understand the reasoning behind that. I think we talked about this earlier in one of our pods is if you see a guy getting hot and jump out to 10, 12 points real quick, transition Leaky on, onto, onto them and shut them down. Make somebody else on that team beat you. Um, and I don't understand why we didn't do that sooner. I think we did that way too late. So I think we got to make those in-game uh, transitions, recognize them quicker, and make those decisions quicker so we can stop these teams from get putting up 30, 35 points on us and getting their career highs because it happens way too often. And they only shot 5 for 25 from 3. So if you told me that Pitt was going to shoot 5 for 25, 20% from 3, and we would we were going to lose this game, I'd tell you you're crazy. Well, here's another thing. We had a three-minute stretch where we had five turnovers and six possessions and six turnovers and eight possessions. So, you know, we have those stretches in the middle of the game where – we're trying to make the big play. We're not trying to make the smart play, and it it came back to bite us, bite us in this one. I mean, those are some big. I think that was towards the end of the first half, maybe, where I think we had a yeah, little, we had a six, right. we had a six point, yeah, we had a six point lead going into halftime. You know, just a matter. Right, so let's say we score on, we score on three of those six possessions, right? Three in those six turnovers. That's a twelve point lead going into halftime. If we hit some threes, that's a 14-point lead or a 15-point lead going into halftime. Yeah. You know, that right that right there is a game changer. You know, losing, losing the ball that many times in a row can really bewilder a team, especially before halftime when you're trying to build a lead. So Yeah, and when, when you got guys on your team with, you know, Pete Nance and Leaky Black uh, who are fifth-year seniors, you got a senior in Armando Baycott and two juniors uh, and Caleb and RJ, you can't make those mistakes. We are a veteran team. We don't need to be turning, those, turning the ball over like that. It's a different thing if you're playing a – a very defensive-minded team, and they're playing great defense and forcing those turnovers. But these turnovers are unforced. We just lazy passes and, and not smart decisions. Um, so we've got to be smarter with the ball in our hands, especially when you're playing with a lead and especially when you're playing with a lead on the road in the ACC. Um, so just got to play smarter, uh, take care of the ball, because every time we turn it over, it just it, it puts the other team out in transition, and those are easy buckets. So need to need to just relax you know, play our game. We got away from our our identity in this game. We got to utilize Baycott. We got to work inside out. We got to get the ball to him, let them double team down low. Federico, Federico had no shot of guarding him. Um, just feed him. And when they collapse, kick it back out for an open shot. Um, that's who we are. That's that's who this team is right now. We got to do what works. So, and we got away, with, we got away from that in this game. I think that's why we lost. Yeah, and, you know, we had said in a previous pod where, like, this little stretch of the ACC is some must-wins for us because um, we're going to get into the heart of the ACC when we got to play Syracuse, State, Duke, you know, Miami. Like, we're going to play these teams where, you know, Syracuse is good every year regardless of their record, regardless of where they are in the ACC. The only exception this year will be FSU is not playing too hot. Louisville's usually good, but this year they're not terrible. But, like, you know, we could have had a three game, you know. This game would have been a start if we got. I think this would have a, been a quad one win for yeah. us. You know, so, and you know, you, when we it, have those have those opportunities, you got to take advantage of them. Yeah, I mean, it comes out too. They turn around and beat Virginia right after right after they beat us. So, like, I mean, maybe they're just maybe they're just a good team that's maybe under underrated at this point. I don't know, but I you know, this would have been a good. First win to start a three-game, three-game little stretch of must wins in the ACC because we have Wake and we have um, Notre Dame next, and those two 
getting two wins with them along with this win would have been would have been awesome. So hopefully, yeah, we can at least. And pull I know the you mentioned the Wake and Notre Dame. No, you mentioned the ACC's down, um, which you're right. So when we have these opportunities to play um, in quad one games, we need to we need to take advantage of those. So um, you don't have the high caliber of teams in the ACC this year. Uh, you know, like you said, Florida State's down, Louisville's down, Notre Dame's down. So um, you know, you got Duke and Miami. Um, so we definitely need to win Virginia. So definitely need to win those games. Luckily, we play Virginia and Duke twice. So th- those are four opportunities to get some quad one wins. So we need to take advantage of those as those opportunities come up. But um, and we, we were up, you know, three different times in this game by nine points. And for yeah. some reason, we we get con- complacent with a nine-point lead and we don't step on their throats and put it away. So I'd like to, to see in the future um, – Keep you know don't don't let your foot off the gas. Keep keep running your offense. Keep putting up points. I don't care if we win by sixty. You know, put put them away early and, and don't don't let up. You know, even with Mando's great stat line of twenty two and thirteen, he also had four turnovers, and um, that could also be a part when he puts the ball on the floor too too early and too often cuz you know when he when he puts the ball on the floor it is always a toss up whether or not he's about to he's about to turn the ball over or not you've seen how you know he his dribbling is not the best but i mean his footwork is great but i i him him putting the ball on the floor is probably doing us a disservice rather than a service so I, yeah i think so. i think armando's got to recognize early that that double team's coming um, cause when he puts that ball on the floor, a, a guard is jumping up to steal that ball. So recognize that it's coming, get that ball out, um, on the wing, get that ball out to one of the shooters and let him make a play. Um, just be smart with the ball. Cause yeah, you're right. He is, once he puts the ball down, he's, he's not great at taking care of it. And four turnovers is, uh, frankly unacceptable from, uh, from Armando in his fourth, fourth season at Carolina. So. Um, and then if you look at his um, post-game comments um, after this game, he said, quote, playing at a school like North Carolina, you got to go out there and just want to win. I guess we didn't care. So that's very, very concerning from Armando. Um, and he had another comment in his interview that um, more or less pointed to a player in the locker room that seemed like he didn't care. I'm not going to speculate on who it is, although I think we both know who it is. Um so that's not good locker room talk. Um, that's not good to see or hear from Armando, especially after a loss um, at Pitt in a game we should have came out and won. So I'm hoping they can they can turn it back on and get on a little win streak here coming up. Uh, I think we've got Wake and Notre Dame coming up both at home. So definitely opportunities to start stacking some wins. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I second all of that. You know, it's and you know we're not in a we're not in a terrible spot being nine and five. I mean, we could easily have been you know twelve and two at this point in time. I mean, you know, a lot of these games we had some tough circumstances, um, but you know it's not a bad season and it's still early in the season, so we still have some room to improve. I mean, you never know, man. We could end up top of the ACC and win out the rest of the season. You know, you you know, there's no there's no telling. But um, that's one thing about having a long season. you got time to recover and learn and, re- you know, regroup and get back in the lab and figure out everything that you need to figure out and put it back out there on the floor the next game. So, you know, it'll be a, it'll, it'll be a tough season. It'll be a grind. But I think at the end we'll be happy with the season once it's over with. 
Yeah, I think so too. I think you're right. So we got, um, like I said, we got Wake and Notre Dame coming up. Um, Wake has a really good guard in Appleby, um, a transfer from Florida, I believe, and also a candidate for ACC Player of the Year in this early ACC season. So it'll be interesting to see what who out of our guards um, guards him and tries to stop him from putting up. I think he averages like 18 or 19 a game. Um, great player. So, and Wake's got some shooters on their team that that like to score against Carolina Blue. So, and then Notre Dame, they're they're down this year as well. I think they're like 0 and 3 in the ACC, 0 and 4. Um, so, hopefully we can take care of business when they come to Chapel Hill. And I think they've got a their forward Nate Lashevsky. He likes to put up some points on us as well. So I think he'll be a matchup problem for us. Um, especially taking Baycott out around the three-point line because um, he can shoot the three um, and or, or drive, and, you know, Baycott's not as mobile as uh, some of the other forwards. So it uh, be interesting to see what happens, and I hope we can get some dubs here coming up. Well, let's not forget last year what Wake did to us at Wake, so let's not get – Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves because they are a very good team and they can definitely yeah. put up some points in a hurry. Will we lose by like twenty? Yeah, last I think year? so. Um, Alondis Williams had a had a big game against us, who ended up winning ACC Player of the Year over Baycott. Yep. So um, again, we find ourselves playing Wake and Armando and Appleby are um, front runners for ACC Player of the Year in this early season. So um, if Armando can have a good game and we can win this game as a team. It'll put Armando in a place to stay on top of that uh, ACC yep. Player of the Year candidacy. Last year it was Jake LaRavia with the career high against us. He had 31 points, and Alondis Williams had 23. Baycott had 12 and 12, so it was still a solid game for him. Brady went off for us, but, you know, new year, new game. So we'll see what happens. I, I think I think we'll pull it out there. I think we're we're getting our game right, so I think we'll be good. I hope so, man. So Pitt was the last game of 2022. It's time to turn the page into 2023. See if uh, see if this Carolina team can um, kick it into gear and and find out who they are, play to their strengths, and start stacking some wins. Yes, sir. Um, anything else? Cool. Well, I'll wrap this. I will wrap this thing up. Guys, thank you for joining us. This is episode three of Tar Heel State of Mind. We appreciate you getting into a Tar Heel State of Mind with us for a little bit. We'll see you next week. Go Heels.